Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Jindusky. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today we are joined by Chitra Veravan to share a glimpse into her studio stories. Chitra is an artist, seeker, and contemporary Indian dancer, choreographer based in Minnesota Makoche, Minnesota. She is immersed in Tamil culture and progressive politics in the U.S. Welcome, Chitra. Thank you. It's good to be with you. It's really nice to have you here. And in all honesty, there's there I'm going to have an, trouble pronouncing some things sometimes. So I appreciate your assistance um, as we Absolutely. move here. Yeah. Um, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better through your dance story. Uh, I see that your creative labor and performance work have earned you the 2015 Sage Award for Outstanding Performer, a 2016 McKnight Artist Fellowship for Dance, as well as being named 25 to Watch by Dance Magazine in 2017, which is just so many great honors. And I have to also say, like, seeing you perform, just the power that you possess and presence on stage is is incredible. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. How did how did you begin dancing and and being immersed in Tamil Tamil culture, which is uh, South Indian? I understand there's quite a, a number of different cultural dances beyond Bharatanatyam. Uh, mm-hmm. Were there other dances you studied as well? Yeah. Um, so I'll start with sort of my roots, which. Uh, my parents came to the U.S. in the early 70s. And for them, um, raising my sister and I, was it was like a matter of preserving our cultural roots, our language. And so arts and culture was a, was a huge part of that. Um, so at home, we would only speak in Tamil and... Mm-hmm. Um, my mom comes from a lineage that of poets and linguists, um, writers, and so the emphasis on the language was was huge. Um, and then, of course, music and dance, and so mm-hmm. that's how dance kind of came into my life. But I would say I I've been dancing since I can remember. I was two years old. You know, there's some photographs and some video footage that my dad took um and I think also my mom always wanted to dance and never was able to pursue it sort Mm. of professionally um and so she when she first came here there wasn't much of sort of Indian community in Milwaukee um at the time and so when when she would go to the grocery store or um you know, at that time, there was maybe one Indian grocery store. Mm. So so Indian folks, when they saw each other, would just kind of meet and connect, like no matter what language or, or where at that time. Um, and so she met uh, a woman in the grocery store and they were talking about, they somehow ended up talking about dance. And then she was like, do you teach dance? And um, and so that woman ended up being my first dance teacher um, at that time. She wasn't like officially teaching or anything. So 
my mom just kind of walked my sister and I over and we, we were taught, you know, Bharatanatyam in her basement. Ah. Um, and so that's how it kind of came into my life. I, I can't say I took it very seriously, you know, in my <laughs> early years. <laughs> but it was more about competing with my sister who was five years older than me. So uh, so there are a lot of funny stories of, of us dancing together. And I, I would somehow like have the moves better or more clean and just try to kind of egg her on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it was more playful, definitely early on, and and I would say my mom was probably the most passionate about making sure you know we both understood the roots and the dance culture and language. So um, that's kind of the foundation. And um, in terms of form, uh, I mostly was dancing classical South Indian, which is Bharatanatyam. Um, but I can't say I was formally trained until maybe um, my parents would drive my sister and I to Chicago, which was two hours away every weekend until hmm. I was 18 or 19 years old. So through elementary school and high school, um, they drove us to Chicago to formally learn Bharatanatyam from a dance teacher named Hema Rajagopalan. Um, and so that happened, you know, sort of from when I was six to, to maybe 18 or 19. That's amazing. They must have really saw talent and, and that, like, was it to be a performer in that way or to continue that training? I feel like that promise must have really been there. You know, I, I have to say it was my mother's dream. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she wanted us to to get that ange drum and to to have dance in our lives, and and my dad was was all about making sure you know they preserved the culture for both of us because we were going to school here, you know, it, and sort of it's very easy to lose language and culture in the sort of American landscape of just meeting different friends and just culturally here watching TV and the way media kind of comes into your life. And um, and I have to say, although at that time I didn't appreciate it, <laughs> when I was in college, you know, I would see sort of my counterparts in diaspora who didn't really know the language too well or didn't have the roots down as much. And and then in retrospect, I was like, yeah, it was a really huge deal how they raised us. Yeah. Um, and driving us every weekend to Chicago for dance, you know. Um, yeah, I totally appreciate their push. But I would yes. say it wasn't until college where, I, where it became a more serious sort of political expression and form. Yes. And your choice, in a way, yeah, more so maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you can you we share? Just... Sorry. Oh no, that's fine. I just wanted to add, like, my sister and I were just about to to start our Arangetram, which is I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's kind of like the graduation in Bharatanatyam. Ah. Um, so you do this solo concert show. And you're kind of telling the community, hey, you know, I've done these, these pieces in the repertoire. And 
and then you're you know can go on to teach or or to take take yourself to the next level oh interesting yeah and i think in diaspora it's like we spend a lot of sort of money and and community investment and in that um culturally um in the u.s and and other countries um where people are learning Bharatanatyam more formally. Um, but we were just about to to complete it and to start on an Arangetram together, my sister and I. So it would have been a, a, a duet. Um, but I, we both were told my mom that we we weren't wanting to. Oh. It broke her heart. Yes. I mean, after all of those years, you know, to to have it all down and my sister was going to go to college and she was just like not not wanting to center it in her life as much Hmm. um and I was in high school and and I was only doing it for family you know yeah yeah so so yeah we kind of broke her heart um before and then when I went to college it kind of came back into my life as a more political form yeah we'll we'll get to that in a little bit but I'm interested in uh maybe a little impression of like how Hema and, yeah. and perhaps your earlier training with Mina, um, what kind of impression upon you they made? Yeah. Um, with Mina, I can't, I was very young, you know? And so what I remember is mostly sort of the competitive mode of myself mm. being you know, sort of cute and, and having the form down and, um, you know, and I was aware that, that I was good early on. That's nice. (laughs) In the sense, like I, it sounds nice, but you know, I was just a little bratty kid. (laughs) There's a lot of ego in that. (laughs) Um, you know, and so it was more about sort of competing with my sister early on. I joke, I mean, it was, it was fun for me, but I definitely made her cry a few times. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know, sisters. That's how. Yes, it yes. It's part of growing up. <laughs> um, and then when we went to Chicago and kind of more formally had, when there were other students involved, uh, it was less fiery between us. Um, so in, I think Hemanti at that time rented a. A school. It was a nursery school in Chicago, um, and so we would go in there for dance class. And and then later, when we were trying to kind of pursue our engagement, we had private lessons, and so that that would have been in her house, um, in the basement. And I just remember, you know, and so they were kind of getting their by the Natchim school off the ground at that time. And Mm. so, um, and now it's form, you know, it's more formalized. They have a company and, you know, there's a lot of growth for them in Chicago in that realm. But, but at that time, um, there weren't too many, too many folks that were doing their engagements and trying to pursue it more seriously. It was more about learning the culture and, and the dance and, you know, it was less of a professional rigor, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so, I feel, I'm going to make a big statement here, (laughs) Um, but I feel like um, 
there's specific cultures that continue to pass down their culture through the children and keep it alive. And I feel like I'm a third, what am I, what am I trying to say? Polish American, third generation Polish American. And I know nothing of my Mm -hmm. culture. You know, I mean, obviously I've looked at it a little now, but um, in growing up, there was nothing that was like passed down or shared or any cultural dances in that way or anything. I just find that interesting that I, and it makes me wonder more about it. <laughs> more of a generalized statement, but. <laughs> I uh, I did a study of, of the, you know, the cities that I was growing up in and those time periods. Mm. I was for a paper and I just remember learning sort of sociopolitically, like when a lot of South Asians came specifically to Milwaukee and um, and sort of the flow and migration of communities. Um, and I just remember being fascinated by, like I could fit my family in perfectly with the trend uh. <laughs> of, of sort of movement. And, and I... And there has been a lot, I would say that South Asians specifically have done a lot of cohesion to to pass down culture and language and school. I mean, I can't speak for other other folks, but um, now when I look back and I see, you know, sort of when I'm mentoring younger folks, it's, you know, we've kind of have a system together (laughs) in that sense. Um, but I would say early on, it was very organic. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not sure now my mom can just meet some random Indian person in the grocery store and have a conversation like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there there could be that reverse or other side of it where, you know, we've come to America and we are going to be American. We are not going to, you know, like the yeah like the pushing away of that amazing different cultures and things so yeah, yeah absolutely so you did you decide to come to the university of minnesota and <laughs> and how did that how did that decision come about and i don't think it was for dance no it wasn't actually yeah. um because at that time we had just made that choice not to to complete our engagement room and then when i was looking into schools, it was mostly a financial reason. So, um, you know, I had all these dreams, like, oh, I could go here and go there. And then um, financially, Wisconsin and Minnesota had reciprocity. Mm. So it was in-state tuition. And my sister went to Madison, and I did not want to go to the same school as her. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, and I had a good friend of mine who took me to meet her aunt in Minneapolis. Um, and so we walked around, I think it was Lake of the Isles at that time. And I just remember just loving the lakes, mm. loving how much water was present um, and was accessible to me that I didn't so much have in Milwaukee. Like it was Lake Michigan and and that too, it felt like not close, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But I, I mean, I think I fell in love with the water and the lakes. And, you know, and so then when I had the opportunity, I uh, came to the U of M. And I actually wrote a paper about dance to get, that was my, I remember if I recall, I wrote about learning by the Natium to, oh. for my essay or whatever the entrance uh, writing sample was. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, so, and yeah, so the, I was in the CLA program, the liberal okay. arts program. And did you, what was, this is silly, I'm asking this, but, but and did what you was go your to major? The U of M, I did actually. I went to the U of M. I'm much older than you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was there from 89 to 94, 95. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, what was your major? <laughs> I so we had a second language requirement in from kindergarten in Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. And so and I think they might still have that. But so then I learned Spanish really young. Um and so I double majored in Spanish and journalism. I did not study dance in my undergraduate. Um I, I was really into writing. I and so yeah, the journalism program in Spanish. Nice. It's, yeah. And you you uh, in preparing for this, you just shared with me a an article that Springboard for the Arts did did with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was so fascinating to me how you like Bharatanatyam uh, and Indian dance came back to you and after seeing a performance. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about uh, seeing your first Ananya yeah. Dance Theater performance? Yeah. Um, so it actually wasn't an Ananya Dance Theater performance because we hadn't formed yet at that time. Yeah, I was just like, I said that wrong just now. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Um, I, it was in 2002 or 2003. Um, there was an Indian Student Association. We would do these cultural shows. In, in the fall and the spring. And there was a trio of dancers, um, Pradeepa, Nama, and Annalise. Um, and they did this just beautiful trio um, to Sri Lankan Tamil music. I'd never, I was just so taken by the form and um, just the aesthetic of how they carried it. I mean, you can, I was so used to seeing classical in a certain way, like with there's the full costume, a certain makeup, your hair is a certain way, you know. Mm. And then they, these three women, you know, with the totally different aesthetic, like it was very raw. It was, you know, they're wearing these cotton saris and, um, you know, it was beauty in a different, in a different way. And, um, and I was nervous. I, I had done something with, with a bunch of friends. It was to, to, to a movie song or something, just having fun. And mm. um, and we were waiting back in the green room or something. And I talked to one of the dancers and I was like, wow, you know, just appreciating what I saw. And I was like, how would you teach? Where do you learn your form and all of this? And she was like, there's a woman on campus you should connect with. She's, um, she's taking auditions for women of color. And um, and she was like, yeah, 
and at that time I didn't even know where the dance school was and mm-hmm. um and she was like yeah her name's Ananya and you know I, you should look her up and and find out if if they're still accepting you know dancers or whatever because I think the the first audition call had already happened uh-huh. maybe they were already a month into kind of form formulating the group or um and so then I reached out to Ananya in this email and she was like, yeah, you know, come in and show me what you got, basically. So <laughs> <laughs> I had never auditioned for anything before. And so it, I was just so nervous. And I remember coming into Barker 200, um, just looking through the door and Ananya and her daughter, Ananya was practicing and her daughter was like on top of her as a child, <laughs> maybe two or three years old. Um, and I was, I immediately got nervous and then I went to the back and I was listening to the music and, you know, I showed her something, but, um, but Ananya still claims that I, I did some Bollywood dancing <laughs> instead of like what? classical four, but she really didn't mean that, uh, to make fun of me, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's this sort of cultural, I don't know, it's. A lot of people at that time weren't so into Bollywood music and dance, um, unless it was in those cultural shows and sort of for competition, you know, type of thing. Um, and so because I had learned classical so early, I immediately had this, you know, higher than thou kind of attitude, <laughs> um, especially when it came to like cinema music and, and all of that. And it's it's not that I didn't listen to music and watch movies I was totally into it um but there was a there was a bit of judgment about oh you know they're not as serious or Mm. um you know it's more for fun or something like that but now I feel like there's a real rigor and commitment to to that you know as a form um but I think at the time I I didn't really feel drawn to that style (laughs) yeah and and so you got into the company. You were a founding I member. I was a founding member before the before Ananya Dance Theater formed. You know, I just remember that. I mean, we were a group of just like kick-ass women of color, multi-generational. Um, I mean, and so many so many of us are still in touch now. Mm. And um, I can't say any of the founding members are still in the company, but it has gone through a lot of phases. Um, yeah. But at that time, I remember Ananya having a conversation with us and just being like, hey, do we want to do this 501c3 thing? Like, are we ready for this? Um, and then, you know, and I think for company members were like we'll support you and let's do it and then the company formed more formally wow um, and yeah and what did that kind of look like um like was there were there productions before kind of formalizing it in that way um, yeah. yeah um she was kind of working collectively with the south asian artist collective so that's actually i missed this part so the the woman i talked to at this uh, Indian Student Association show, used to dance with Ananya in the the South Asian collective. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so then that didn't end up um, taking off, but you know, Pramila 
Vasudevan, which I think you're familiar with Pramila. Yes, very much so. That's where, you know, Pramila started dancing with Ananya through um, the collective called Women in Motion. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, Pradeepa, Pramila, Annalise, Nama, they were all sort of the first wave that Ananya worked with. Um, and then Pramila ended up joining with the company when when I came into the picture as well. So, yeah, I was very young. I think I was seven, 18 years old at that time. Oh, wow. So yeah. pretty early on when you came to Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, I really grew up. I like to say that I grew up with, with the Nanya Dance Theater kind of raising me as, <laughs> as a professional artist. Because before that, I never really took to to claiming, you know, sort of the professional title. Mm. Um, it was more like dance for fun. Like, this is what I do, you know, outside of school and other things. So, yes. Um, but after 2005, you know, I think after the first production of Ananya Dance Theater, it was kind of like, that was it. You know, I had figured out this move that was really difficult and, then Ananya kind of looked at me different and I became sort of this right-hand person. Like the aesthetic we were creating is not, it's not a mainstream form. Mm. So it wasn't Bharatanatyam, you know. Um, we were mixing forms and really kind of excavating the history um, and redefining sort of a mix of, of forms. And so that's when Odyssey, which is the East Indian classical form that Ananya had trained in, came into my life. And um, and we were doing some Indian martial arts based movement as well. And so, so we'd learn classical and then we'd learn sort of the martial moves and then we'd learn Odyssey. And it was a real mix of like, of, I would say, South Asian forms yeah. on a broader level. And that was very new for all of us. Um, I think because Ananya was already a dance researcher and a writer, accessing the form and the story and the history was much, um, it was what she did, you know? Mm. And so her choosing to share that with us through our body and practice um, it, I don't think it had ever been done before for any of us. Like it kind of, it was new, you know? It's so exciting. And and to have, I understand a, a trademarked, Ananya's trademarked contemporary dance style called Yorcha. Yeah. Which I think, you know, I was like, wow, trademarked. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. actually like physicalize that into reality and taking those forms and styles. Um, it's yeah. really fascinating. And to be a part of that, I imagine so much um, kind of research involved in that and like the practice of, of you within the work itself. Absolutely. I mean, so Yorcha actually stands for yoga, Odyssey and Chow. Um, and so those were the, at that time, those were the three forms that uh, we were kind of excavating and, and working with through different exercises and sort of 
creating our own repertoire, basically. Um, and so early on, Ananya, Pramila, and I, we would just like, we would spend, you know, all day in the studio some days wow. and just, you know, we'd have our lunch break and our evening thing. And, and then the company would come and then we'd, you know, do our more formal, not company, but the rest of the women would join us later. And Interesting. Yeah. I, it was a labor of love. You know, we weren't getting paid. To, I was just going to ask <laughs> that because <laughs> the beginnings of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was just love. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to call it, but yeah. because, you know, there's a kind of intimacy and um, just an understanding of each other to work together that way for that long. Um, you know, and a director, you know, and, then the director would come in and then the rest of the dancers and we were like family, you know, mm -hmm. we were kind of creating this new sort of fabric of interconnectedness through, through the form. So it wasn't just about the form. It was also about us sort of living and being together, like sharing stories and laughter and tears and, mm. um, you know, so those early years, the form, more formative years, we weren't paid for at all, you know. And then later, as other dancers came on, you know, sort of from the dance program, the expectations shifted. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know, I'm going to just say this, but when it became professional in that sense, like it became connected to capital capitalism more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and so then I had to understand, you know, that was new to me. I wasn't expecting to get paid from dance, you know, I, and that's probably why those early years were so special because it was free, you know, I kind of freed it from, from it needing to be my, my sustenance, you know? Yes. Yeah. And then once, once I, it started becoming that because time became more precious, um, you know, in school, I was getting done with school and I had to think about jobs and, you know, how many times I begged her, like, just pay me, I'll live with you, I'll do this forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it didn't work out that way. You know, our lives all had to shift. And, and so I think the company even formalizing itself, um, you know, I had to work a full-time job and I would come in late and then rehearsals you know, I'd be at the tail end of rehearsals and just be angry <laughs> that I missed the beginning. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot more dynamics. Um, and I think the company also became younger because the older women had to, you know, sort of take care of their kids who were graduating or just had mm. their life coming. So, yeah. yeah. How long were you with, with the company? Um. I would say 14, I say 14 seasons, but it was, it was definitely over 10 years. Wow. Um, That's an amazing gift. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I became an artist through, through that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like Ananya also just really kind of has that that power I feel <laughs> of of pulling yeah. people out of themselves in a way um I've experienced anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> yep she has that influence 
Can you, I know this after, you know, 14 seasons or 10 years time yeah. it might be hard to pinpoint some collaborations that stand out to you. Um, but maybe one that you feel you really connected with, because uh, this truly is your story. It's not yeah. right now, but. Um, it's so funny that. Okay, so I would say the 2012 production of Morichika. Um, or is that 20? Yeah, I think it was 2012. I was given an opportunity to create a solo. Um, and, you know, and so the theme was about oil and, you know, climate justice. And I um, I wrote a poem about a bird that was stuck in oil. And mm. this was after there's some some explosion or thing in Louisiana. Um, I'm losing my frame of reference on it, but it was like a very big oil spill. And so just the devastation of the land and the natural resources. At that time, there were all these images. And so I wrote a poem about this bird that was stuck in oil. and And then my solo was an embodiment of that poem mm. and um you know ananya just kind of let me let me go with it and i think that it was when i felt most transformed through dance um and through expression was in that solo because there's something that happens when you've trained for so long um, in a form, like suddenly you, you don't think about it anymore. Hmm. Um, and so like those technical elements and, and, you know, it becomes about the feeling, like you just go somewhere else when you're in it. And for me that year I went, you know, I went to a deeper place and, Hmm. and I, I could tell because the, because the response was so drastically different um, mm. from people. And, you know, I internalized something that I think that it's still with me now, which is that when you're dancing, when you're in your body dancing, like you, you see yourself in a way that nobody else can, can ever express to you. Mm. Like, I know, I know sort of what my left thigh and my right arm and my elbow and like, I just know my body in a way that, you know, I was making choices that were just like, it was like breathing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Second nature, just very much embodied. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, and that bird solo was really my... That was a that was a collaboration with Ananya and the director Lori Carlos, um, oh. who both are a huge part of my life. Um, and Lori's passed, I think, a couple of years ago. But I remember, um, I just remember her reaction, you know, and just just the way she held me up after dancing that solo a few times and. Mm. You know, even the way the music um, kind of landed, it it all just happened. You know, it was kind of magic. 
Yeah. And there are a few of those magical moments before and after that too, but yeah. I I feel like I have a a question about the larger dance community, the Twin Cities dance scene. Yeah. And I just wonder a little bit of your perception of that, or I also, I'm going to admit my perception of Ananya dance theater of being really like, um, I hope this is not offending, but like in, insular or mm-hmm. uh, really just really focused on the work and in, in their own space kind of uh, approach to things that I, I, I don't feel like it's ventured out within the community. Does that make sense? I can definitely see that perspective. Um, And I will say what I learned about dance, like the business of dance. (laughs) Yes, yeah. um, Is that people get really protective about their work, like their aesthetics. Mm. And what we were doing at that time, those early years, we couldn't build without engaging and and letting it be free, you know? Mm. Um, Because all of us were in the community. We were all in different circles. We were all like sort of, it was much more open. And I think once the company formed over the years, it became held in a way, you know, where the form wasn't as easily accessible you know you have to be careful if you're a company member or not you know who could teach the form Mm. and those kinds of of sort of unspoken and spoken rules were there (laughs) yeah yeah um and you know when you're in on your when you're when you're one of those artists that just has a lot of fierce personality and power and you know strength and you know that you you kind of just like fall in place from there Mm. with it. And I will say like, if you're in the company, it becomes your life, you know, that's your job. But it's also because we're working conceptually and uh, emotionally um, with a lot of the content. um, It's, it's not just about the sort of product. Mm. Yes. (laughs) The process is like, it's in all aspects because decolonizing forms and research-based embodiment, it's an ongoing thing. Like it doesn't stay static. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, I can see how, I mean, even at that time I was thinking in so many ways, like I didn't want it to formulize. <laughs> I didn't want, I, did, I actually didn't want it to head in that direction, which is probably why I had parted ways earlier um because i i wanted i was curious about other things and mm-hmm. i needed to spend time differently and i was thinking about the money and you know and just like other other pressures were in my life um and it was very hard it was a very hard parting <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> There's a lot of love there, but it was like, you know, sort of back and forth and back and forth. (laughs) And then once I got the McKnight Fellowship, you know, that was my sort of 
exit more formally mm-hmm. um, into into looking into other things. Yeah, yeah. I know whenever I've lost a dancer after years, <laughs> you know, it's just like devastating. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't go on. You right? know, it's it's it is such a familial, emotional, like giving of our hearts to one another. I feel in the process. So I can completely understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. And I think when we work in embodied ways, um, the intimacy of knowing somebody is unspoken, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not just the words and sort of some relationship that's, you know, I just feel like I had a lot of relationship breakups in my life, but that was like the hardest one. (laughs) Yeah. I was happy you mentioned the McKnight Dancers Fellow, which was in 2016. Uh, you got to commission Aiko Otake. I hope I'm yeah. saying that right. Yeah. I'm very familiar with Aiko and Koma yeah. uh, and Aiko's work and just amazing mind as well, reading some of her um, history and things like that. Just an amazing dance artist yeah. in Muto of all things. So I, I was fascinated. Uh, tell me of your interest in in Aiko's work and and what yeah. drew you to Butoh. So, so Aiko wouldn't say she's a Butoh dancer. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I I think I put that on her. <laughs> um, and so, and that was new to me too. I did the same thing when I first met met her. Mm. Um, a lot of people assume that that their form is buto and they're practiced in it. But um, what I learned, well, first I'll start from the beginning. I mm-hmm. I saw Ikun Koma perform in 2009 at the Walker Arts Center. And it was this spectacular visual thing. I had never experienced anything like that before. And it, it was this sort of fence you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this piece. I forget what it's called. But it was this, like, background fence from the ceiling down to the floor. And mm. Eko and Koma were just kind of hanging off of this fence. And mm. um, very frail, like, naked bodies. And they're just, like, slowly, barely meeting each other, you know? Mm. Um, and I was like, I could watch this for hours. <laughs> It just did something to my body that was like, oh, I'm, this is, you know, it's centering me in a, in a different way. And by the end of the piece, I was like, there was a tear coming down my cheek. And I was like, what just happened? Mm. Right? Um, and so when I got the fellowship, they were encouraging us. Um, Mary Ellen at that time was the director and she was, she was like, dream big. You know, don't don't go for somebody you already have access to, basically. Or yeah, like, yeah. You know? And I couldn't think outside of what I knew. It took me a while um, to finally be like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I want to work with Eko, you know. And then I then I just got nervous. I'm like, how I have no idea how to reach this person and where they're at in life and if they would say yes. And, but um, their timing aligned, like the universe mm-hmm. made it happen because I reached out through an email 
a very long email and I was like, here's some links to my work. And I was just like, you know, very humbly, like, would you be interested? And, um, you know, no response for like two weeks, the longest two weeks. <laughs> and then Mary Ellen was like, I know somebody who's a friend of hers and let me see if they can reach out. And then, um, you know, and then they reached out and then they, uh, it was Julie Boyd or somebody. And then, and then Eiko sends a response. I've been in Japan, you know, I'm, I've been busy. I'm so sorry. I got your email, you know? Yeah. Let's connect. And I was just like, Whoa, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I went to New York for the first time for dance at that time. And like for dance for myself. Mm. Um, and so that was, it was a very sort of, whoa, how do I do this? You know, it felt like starting from the beginning or something. Yeah. Because before that, I had been a sort of in the umbrella of company member for so long. But as a sort of artist on my own, um, it, was, it was a first step that felt really big. And, and she met me in this church at Columbia University. Um, and I was like, oh no, she's asking me to meet in a church. Like, I don't know what this is going to be like, you know, so I'm not Christian. And then I was like, oh, what if she's very religious? And then <laughs> I came to meet her and she was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, let's sit down. Let's talk. It happened so fast. And she handed me this book that was about her life. And, and she's like, okay, let's get started. Right. And she happened to be a resident artist in a, it was like a gallery for, for the divine feminine. Hmm. And I think in New York, like folks were kind of working in churches, like dance and dance was being made in churches, which was kind of new to me. Like, and then I saw the Judson um, piece yes. for the first time when I was there. And, and I was just like, it was just a whole nother world that opened up for me. Um, and she was like, you trained in dance? And I was like, well, you know, not formally, meaning institutionally. I didn't get a dance degree. And she was like, that's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can work with you. Because <laughs> uh, um, she she wanted an open mind um, and dancer that, you know, she was very fascinated by by me being also Asian and us totally looking nothing like each other. and. Mm. And for her, um, it was her kind of first year into solo work. And so that's why she said yes, actually, because she had been saying no to choreographing for a very long time. And then I became this experiment. Uh. <laughs> and so that's how it started. Um, and she kind of undid me in so many ways, like in, in the sense of just remove form like remove the practice from your body. Like it, it just, it did something to me that made me think differently about time and space and body. Hmm. Um, and so what I, what I learned, you know, about that time, especially was that a sense of visually choreographing time hmm. and not so much thinking about the body, the subjectivity of the body. Um, and so that for me, and there's, there had been a lot of research and I think a lot of contemporary artists were already 
experimenting in that way. Um, but that's when the visual world really entered for me as an artist. Um, that just the influence of, of color and body and time and space and composition. Um, you know, I think it was kind of like my grad school into composition and choreography because I had never formally studied. And and then I, it had opened up something for me, even through South Asian, even through the, the contemporary South Asian forms that were in my, that was in my sort of foundation. Because then I started thinking about mm, form, like the form through time differently, if that makes sense. Like I was experimenting yeah. with with time space and I could see how it would be similar to, to practicing Bhutto because there's just such a patience and sort of death and rebirth and it's like a cycle, right? Within, mm. within the form and Anyway, that, yeah, that's that's what kind of transformed me at that time in 2016. I mean, we had we had worked together, and then she asked me to work with her again in 2019 um, when she was doing something at McAllister. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just and I learned so much about her as a person. You know, that first year, she invited me to Thanksgiving in her house, and and oh, I was just like, whoa, you know. Aiko's family. Yes, yes. That's amazing. Um, and there are all these amazing, she just would send me this message. She's like, you should research this, this, and this artist. They're going to be in my house. <laughs> I was like, you know, staying in an Airbnb and I was like frivolously researching these artists. And I was so nervous to, to have Thanksgiving uh, and to meet her family. And, you know, and that was my first time meeting Koma. And, um, yeah. And that's, wow. I met Ishmael Houston Jones. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Yes. At, in Eko's house that, and I remember him asking me about you, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. We had all gone out to eat after Eko and I did something at the, um, at the church. Like, a, she basically organized the show. <laughs> with over her residency and and then we went out to eat afterwards and and ishmael was asking me about the artists that he knew in the in the twin cities and so yeah he mentioned your name <laughs> yeah, i don't know matthew too well but i know of the company and <laughs> yeah well that's nice to nice to be thought of <laughs> yeah i love it that i really appreciate that Eko is like these are the people that are going to be here study <laughs> know who they are yeah, because I feel like that's so important. And I, I don't, you know, we we're like, oh, I'm going to dinner. But it's like, oh, who's really there? And like, I don't know. I think, again, here we are with studio stories, like the importance of listening to someone's story and getting to know them a little better in, in, in such a way. So I really appreciate that. Oh my gosh, yeah, there are so many uh, experiences with Eiko and with Ananya too over time where they would just be like, there's this, this, and this person, um, make sure you know about them, you know, and it's not so much to talk to them about what you know, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to understand who's in the room and, and sort of how to, how to place yourself, but, and that's where I think the professionalism and connecting with each other, like sort of beyond, um, just the labor of dance, you know, 
and just yeah. understanding all the other moving parts because it's not just about the dancer it's not just about the choreographer um, yeah and there's certain people that i know i would you know being wide-eyed as a, a younger dancer and you know seeing pina bausch on film or reading about them in the magazine or something like that like i'd be wide-eyed and i would hate it if yeah. i were to like be walking into an elevator somewhere and there's this amazing person that i wouldn't know who they are <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't know something yeah. something like again knowing someone's story and, and what they've not just accomplishments but just what they stand for who they are aesthetic and all of that yeah. yeah yeah i think it's interesting you you mentioned uh about the form and there's a quote that i'm going to pull from that article from springboard for the arts that michael clubber diggs wrote yeah. actually yeah. is an amazing person I um, Michael's writing. yeah so you there's a quote that says now as an artist i identify as a seeker uh, yeah. It implies strength and being committed to who you are in, in a search. It's not a destination. An artist felt like a destination, uh, which <laughs> you don't feel comfortable using that word artist these days. I just thought I found that interesting and wanted to know if you if could I share a little bit more. <laughs> What's that? If I still felt that way. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um. I will say that was a lot of pandemic influence as well. Oh, <laughs> and I yes. was talking to Michael. Um, you know, there's just a lot of change that was happening for me. Uh, and that I think it was 2019. Um, I was just accepted in this amazing cohort of artists of color at Springboard. And, you know, sort of artists as change makers and building new pathways for each other. Um, and, you know, and I was kind of going through this existential moment of, of like, sort of what, what is really happening here? Um, you know, and how, how do I want dance and art and, and all of this to be in my life moving forward? Because um, suddenly it was like, do I want this as sustenance? Do I want, you know, how do I want to center it in my life? And you know, when I was talking to Michael, I was like, you know, this, it feels like this never ending journey of my relationship to it. Mm. And I was also undoing all the pressure of like what I thought a dancer choreographer was supposed to be. <laughs> you know, I, mm. I think people have taken different paths, you know, even being a solo artist or building a collective or having a formal dance company, running a school, um, you know, there are these paths, you know, and, and being in the Twin Cities, there's like a, there's a rich amount of support um, for different foundations, supporting artists and, and just nonprofits and spaces and things. Um, and I was, when I was talking to Michael, I was just, I was in a more spiritual place about, you know, wanting to be a seeker and curious about things that didn't seem normal mm. to a dancer choreographer. <laughs> um, like I was already doing it, you know, through college because I found myself in literary spaces all the time, you know, listening to poetry and um, just being with writers and, and 
and then going to museums and, and looking at visual art and um, and so like there was already this influence I didn't have the word at the time but I was like yeah I'm now I accept that I'm a transdisciplinary artist which somebody explained to me more <laughs> about I mean there are these words that you know as we keep writing and generating we're all influencing each other and um, yeah and so I think seeker was one of those words that it felt right. You know, I, I just remember Michael, like we were on a video call and I just like sparked up. I said, seeker. <laughs> I had watched so many videos on meditation and yoga and, and like seeking is definitely a way of life, you mm. know, and just not settling for like, this is it type of rigidity. Yeah. yeah. It really stood out to me. I mean, I, I jumped on that word. I was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it felt like the best word. I think it still does, um, but I am still open to to artist as well. So. Yeah, and you are making yeah more and more of your own work, correct? Yes. Yeah, um, I can't remember now where I just saw a performance of yours <laughs> not too long ago at the Cole Center. Yeah, that was last March. It does feel like a very long time ago to me. But... <laughs> what it actually technically isn't but that was my um sort of first ensemble work you know on a formal stage before that I was doing a lot of solo and duet work um in in sort of alternative spaces site-specific okay um explorations and things but suddenly over the pandemic to have an opportunity to to be in a proscenium theater felt like a really big deal <laughs> and just like are we still is it gonna happen or you know and how is it gonna happen and you know it just didn't when i first got the opportunity i was like i don't at the time so much was in the air about you know getting gathering and, yes yeah um and so that piece like working on ancestral tremors felt like it just became what I did for, mm. for over the pandemic. And, and then once it happened, I was like, now what? <laughs> and so now what? Now what, teacher? Oh, my gosh, Matthew. Don't ask me such questions. <laughs> I always have the trouble of having like five or six dances in my head that I'm just trying to get to. <laughs> you feels... know, every day feels fun to me. Like, oh, I nice. just look at... I mean, when I'm in a good space, it's like yeah. the curiosity, the visual, you know, light and shadow work and self-recorded explorations. Um, for a while, I, I was going to work with another dancer and we started the process, but then, you know, it just didn't, it didn't feel right, you know, mm. the timing of it. Um, and so I'm kind of in a slower flow, I would say, but much more influenced sort of like right now I would say I'm doing an excavation of roots okay. in a different way um learning my family <laughs> and it's something that I feel like the pandemic has definitely sort of guided me towards um and so their stories are definitely in in my head and heart right now but choreographically it's just been a me process, mm. um, I would say right now. Okay. And 
I had started a series of like fieldwork explorations um, at the start of the pandemic. So I would just take my iPad and like self-record. Um, and there's this field like just a couple of miles away from my parents' house. And, and so I just started recording. And I think I, at that time I had about 300 something fieldwork <laughs> explorations wow. recorded. Um, early on, there was much more of a rigor because I thought I would do something with it and, you know, show them all in a gallery or, or have some, some sort of formal share. Hmm. But then it became a, a more intimate journal process, if that made sense. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of tracking myself, my body, my spirit through, through dance and through the natural sounds of what, what the field had or... Sometimes I would play music and record and I started posting some things on social media and then I, I kind of stopped. <laughs> it's like, no, this is still my, just me, my little thing, maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, wonderful. Well, it's exciting to, you know, it's like it's in process right now and, yeah. and who knows where it goes. And I, that's a fun space to be in as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chitra, it's so nice to get to know you a little more. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, yeah. You have a very wonderful, calming voice <laughs> as well. Thank you. Yes, just incredible. <laughs> you could be that news anchor or something. <laughs> oh, really? I'm like, yeah. don't you think? I, I, I was like, yeah. That. I'm like, journalism, yes. I would listen to her. <laughs> deliver news. <laughs> um, well, so I'm really appreciative of your time, taking the time today to chat with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. Next week, we're joined by Cynthia Stevens, who slips into swamps, streams, and forests, creating environmental performance and media 